0: What up y'all? This is Kim on Son the Podcast. I'm Ed Lovin' is you know usually when y'all see me do the podcast, y'all See me have guests in the past before, but usually it's been Dan, right? Me and Dan have talked about everything about hip hop, R&B, top five, top 50, all of that. But this week, I got a special guest joining me in the studio. He's a film director, he's a producer, and he is a writer, and we're gonna talk about some interesting stuff. Mr. Nick Queston is here. How you doing, sir?
1: I'm good, thank you for having me. Welcome
0: to the podcast. Tell me, you are a hip hop video director?
1: I, 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 yeah, I did a few. You are still now? Well, Mike Bivens called me about something, so I'm like putting my toe back in the water.
0: Okay, okay. So when did, uh, what hip-hop videos did you do?
1: I did Phone Tap for Dre and Nas. No way. Yep. I did uh, Nas Is Like for Nas. Okay. I did Take It to House for Trick. I did, uh, we did a whole bunch of stuff for Bad Boy. I did a bunch of stuff for Black Rob. Dame Espacio. I did uh, I did. You're Playing Yourself for J. Roo. Okay. I did a LLA for Tragedy, Mob Deep, Capone Noriega. Wow. I did, uh, you know, I've been around. I've done a few. Your you've...
0: resume is crazy. How did you get into video directing?
1: I got into video directing um, because I came to America because I, you know, I was just so impressed by hip hop music and what hip hop was doing at the time. So I got to New York in. 1988 um and the first person i knew in new york was uh stretch armstrong dj stretch armstrong right Right. and so um i remember the first week i was here we went to mars which was a club in the meatpacking district in new york right and he was djing upstairs and after he dj came downstairs and clark kent was djing right and clark was just killing it and he invited me in and stretched to stand at the back of the booth and like he was showing us his, his records and he was like super gracious host and it's like my first week in new york and it's <laughs> clark kent the legend like right. god's favorite dj it's just killing it and then krs came up and just ripped it like and i was like i'm never leaving like just it like touched my yeah to yeah it just ripped it just like it was just a it just grabbed the mic it was like mars was the place back then it was right. like And he just killed it. And I was like, it was church. I was like, I've never, I had never felt like that.
0: Were you directing before?
1: No. So I started off by, I went to NYU and I started off editing and making um, documentaries, which is what I've gone back to doing now. Okay. So um, actually, Derek, who's here, my first video, I made a documentary first where I went on, I'd done a lot of concerts with Stretch. We'd done. We did Eric B and Rakim, we did Gangsta, Cypress Hill, KRS. We worked a lot with The Source as well, doing these concerts. And then um, I made a documentary with all these artists that I'd worked with in in clubs or in concerts. And then that led me to meeting Common and Derek. And I ended up doing my first video for Common uh, called Resurrection on the south side of Chicago.
0: Okay, that must have been an experience.
1: Oh yeah yeah it was it was you know I got to live on the south side of Chicago for you know a couple of months while we made this video we went to the mosque we were on Stony Island 87th big shout out to Scrooge and and you know Youssef and the whole four corner hustler crew
0: So what what did you see the differences being in Chicago than New York
1: Yeah they they drink pop <laughs> and they talk about brats. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> they drink pop. We call it
0: soda. Yeah. They call it pop. Did, had you ever had the uh, walking taco, they call it?
1: The walking taco? What's a walking taco? A
0: walking taco is is a um, a bag of Vintners corn chips, and you actually take it to the bodega that you get it from, and on the counter, they have the meat, they have the cheese, they have the jalapenos and everything, and they just put it in the bag and they just get your fork and they mix it up and they walk around eating Vitna's crunchy curls with all of this stuff on they call it a walking taco. In
1: yeah, I had that once. And then I had a uh I had a lot of Harold's chicken. Harold's A lot chi- of Harold's chicken. Harold's chicken and then uh I learned about Steppin as well. There was a bar there called Father's. Yes. Um, yes. So uh yeah. Steppin is big in Chicago. Steppin is big in House Chicago. music
0: is big in Chicago. Yeah. But at that time, when you were doing uh, Resurrection, Common was really just really getting his feet underneath him. He
1: was still uh, trying to borrow a dollar, and yeah, he was. Borrow <laughs> a dollar was the first thing. He was still common sense back it's then. Still
0: common sense, yeah. Um,
1: yeah. and so yeah, you know, it was. Um,
0: this is way before Kanye West.
1: Way this before, is, although Ye, Ye was around and no ID. Like, yeah, no ID was definitely around. They there. were like, and uh, Virgil, they were all in that crew around yeah, there. So, yeah. um. Um, yeah, it was way before It was like you know it's like we're just after nice and smooth that's where it co- the resurrection scratches from nice yes, and smooth
0: that's right that's right so it that that was a a, a building time of hip hop. so you got into hip hop when a lot of people like me call it the most creative time. Of hip-hop, the golden era, so to speak, of hip-hop.
1: Yeah, yeah, I was I was lucky enough to be in New York at the right time, around the right people, listening to the right music. Absolutely, Absolutely. so Common was, was,
0: fir- was the first person you, video you did.
1: Yeah, that was my first one as a director.
0: Yeah, I'm going to have to go back and pull my, my phone out and watch that Resurrection video again.
1: Yeah, and there's a lot of documentary elements to that. So we shot on the steps of the mosque. We shot kids in uh, in the State Street projects. We were on the streets making the video, like yeah. like for real.
0: Yeah, for sure. And on the south side of Chicago, which could be certain parts of south side of Chicago would be very dangerous.
1: Yeah, so there was a whole thing about I would wear my hat backwards because when you're on the camera and you put your eye on the viewfinder, mm-hmm. you don't want your hat on the the left side of your thing because it bangs the uh, the magazine. Right. So I would wear it the other way and these kids would come up and like push my hat round to the other side and said, you got to be more aware of what that means around here. Yeah, so it, it means something for me. It real. really does. It yeah, really whichever does.
0: side you wore your hat on and, and this is in the 90s. So it was still a lot of the OG gangbangers and, and OG people that was running around Chicago was still running Chicago at that time. So he's right. You had to be very careful. It's just like going to the West Coast. If you go to a certain neighborhood, you got to be careful what color you wear.
1: Yeah, yeah. Don't want to be wearing blue in the jungle. No,
0: absolutely. Nickerson Gardens. Absolutely. I went to uh, uh, the first time Compton swapped me. Yeah, yeah. For the very first time, I went with NWA and Eazy-E. And when we got out the car, eazy stopped me and was like, hold on, you got to get back in the car because I had all red on in a blue neighborhood. Yeah. And he went into the swap Me, bought me a T-shirt, bought me some shorts, bought me a black jacket, and bought me a black hat, because I had the wrong color on in the wrong neighborhood. So Chicago was like that at that point, too. You have to be very careful.
1: Yep, absolutely.
0: Absolutely. So you did comment. And you when, you when you were doing hip-hop videos, was that something that you thought you were just going to do that, or did you always say, hey, I'm going to go back and do, and do uh, documentaries again?
1: Well, documentaries have always been a passion and always been in the back of my mind. But, you know, I went on a roll making videos for like 10, 12 years. I was making video after video after video after video.
0: What's the biggest budget video you ever shot? Uh,
1: Probably Phone Tap because Phone Tap's like over a million bucks. Really? Yeah, yeah.
0: Jeez. Well,
1: that it th- takes two. The Little Romeo video, that was pretty big too. That uh-huh. was a big video. We did a lot of effects on that. Um. So, you know, between those two Phone
0: tap cost over a million dollars. Yeah, yeah. Was seven, that seven. like really regular budgets at that time?
1: Uh, no, nah, that Bad was Bad Boy had
0: some expensive videos, right?
1: Yeah, Bad Boy had some expensive videos, but the videos I was doing for Bad Boy were more like in the 350 range, like and around that. So it was cuz we did Carl Thomas and um we did Black Rob, we did you know, so they weren't spending puff money. Okay. Um,
0: they weren't they weren't spending uh, hypnotized money.
1: No, no hypnotized money.
0: Yeah, with the mermaids and the in the fish tanks. Yeah, you know, there's a
1: funny story about that. You know the jerky boys were on, on that video, right? Remember uh-huh. the guys that used to do the prank calls? Yeah. So they put they changed the call sheet during the video and slid it underneath the door of everyone in the production, right? and changed the call and put them in the middle of the hood, like like in the middle of Liberty <laughs> City. So like Daniel Pearl and all these people are turning up at like five in the morning, they're screaming at production like, where the, where, yeah. can I swear here? Yeah, of course. Right. So where the fuck is, where the fuck is production? You send us here, where the fuck is it? And uh, so it was, but it was all a practical joke. And they, Wow. That's an expensive practical that's joke with those <laughs>
0: two. Puff must have been heated. Wow, probably the reason why we haven't heard the Turkey Boys in a long time. (laughs) Puff get on a, oh, Jesus Christ, that's crazy. Yeah, Phone tap, I can't believe phone tap cost a million, what label was that?
1: That was uh, Aftermath.
0: That was Aftermath? Yeah, yeah. Wow, and so that had to come from? uh, Interscope, yeah. Interscope had to approve that, right? Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's a lot of dough to spend. On a video? It's not like that anymore, right?
1: No, nah, I mean, that's what I think is wrong with the music business. They need to start spending more money on videos again.
0: Mm. But there's really, <laughs> no, there's really no outlets, right? I know, it. I know, I'm just kidding. MTV I'm tried like, to no, bring but, back but like, MTV Raps on Paramount Plus. But, you
1: know, it, it was different. There were so few channels to get, um, you know, any type of content that was right. like for your age group at that time. So we would run... You know, kids would run home after school to watch Yo MTV. No, they would watch um, uh, Tigger in his basement, or they, right. you know, no, they watch perhaps and watch yeah. you and watch these guys because you would video
0: music box. Yeah, big shout out to Ralph. Yes, Uncle Ralph.
1: Uh, Uncle Ralph forever. Um, or even like the video music box, or we'd even watch Public Access. There used to be a cat on. Um, New York Public Access called Indecent, and he all he'd do was like this really small shot, and he would smoke mad weed and play just <laughs> like the uncensored videos. It was like right. college radio for videos. Like that shit was dope BT, though. BT,
0: what was that? BT Untapped or After Dark, Uncut. Uncut. BT Uncut, way before all of that. Then you're right there weren't a lot of platforms. Now there's a trillion platforms for people to put their videos out. So it's, it's never going to be the same. But you're right. I believe. That you're correct, Nick. When you say they need to start spending money on videos again, because that's really what kind of separated the artists and showing the artistic different viewpoints of the way people made videos.
1: Yeah, yeah. You could, I mean, as a video director, you could add to somebody else's art and maybe yeah. even reinterpret it in a certain way to give it like a, another level of meaning. But um, nowadays, it's just like uh, you know, it's like someone pulls out their phone and says, "Start rapping."
0: Right, and it doesn't matter where they shoot it at. Everybody's shooting in front of a bando, abandoned building, standing on the steps, pointing guns, drinking, smoking weed, blowing it in the camera. It's the same video all the time. But think about it like this, coming from the aspect and point of you being a video director, videos and the fact that Elektra was willing to spend the money on videos is really what separated Missy Elliott from everybody else.
1: Yeah, and she did great videos with Hype. They were yeah. Big shout out to Hype.
0: Big shout out. I give you a little Hype tidbit. Hype's very first video, very first video, was a group called BWP, Bitches With Problems. They were on No Face Records, which is my label, with my two partners, and I had to sign off on Hype shooting that video. There you go. His very first video. You cost right. a lot of people a lot of money. Just <laughs> did. And, and well, hype did a lot of busters, right? Um, yeah, hype did everyone. Yeah. A lot of guys came through. You was with some uh, Kevin Bray. Yeah, yeah. Um, I
1: worked for Kevin. That was one of my first gigs. Was working for Kevin Bray as a PA. Get out of here. Yeah, yeah. On at uh, Hex Films with him and Shady and Gina Harrell. Big yeah. shout out to Shady and Gina.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of of great video directors. That have gone on to do other things. So you went back to. I got a funny
1: story. So the first video I worked on with Kevin um, was a uh, Brand Nubian's video, and Pooba is sitting in his uh, seven series BMW on the West Side Highway, and he won't get out of the car until someone brings him fifteen hundred bucks in a brown paper bag.
0: Are you kidding me? Yeah,
1: no, I am. It's true, and yeah, you know, I th- we so I said to Kevin, you know, like, oh, a uh, bit of problem here. Art oh, is not getting out of the car. He's like, oh, okay. So then we got that, you know, and the label had to do it, like
0: the label gave him fifteen hundred dollars in yeah. paper
1: yeah, yeah, they went to the cash machine.
0: What is the weirdest request from an artist you got besides the Pooba fifteen hundred dollars story? And uh, who, were, and who was difficult? And who was
1: he? So. Uh, So I did a bunch of stuff with with the Woo and I did uh, (laughs) uh, (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So let's start there. So basically the 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 stranger's request was not even that strange request, it's just that was awkward to get done. But like remember the amulet that that Ghostface used to wear with like the hawk on it. it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we pay for that. Like that was (laughs) forty G's. And like they were like, yeah, we're just gonna pay for that. I was like, we've got to put it in the budget. I'm not like giving you 40 Gs to go and do that. I'm like, we're gonna go and get a receipt from. I think the it was on. I think the the jeweler's name was Lenny the Jew. Um, yeah, on Lenny Canal Street. Jewel? Yeah, yeah, Lenny okay. the Jeweler. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we ended up. That was a a bit of a weird one. Wow. Because um, I was like,
0: Well, did you have? The whole, but everyone remembers was it. it? A like ghost that's, face video or a whole Wu Tang video.
1: It was a. It was a. It was a ghost face Video called for Never Be the Same Again. Never
0: be the same again. Him, Ray and uh who's that? Carl Thomas? Carl, Carl Thomas. Carl Thomas singing on that. Yeah. 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 We had the big eagle. Yeah, and yeah. I ran down. I ran back and went um pew. Oh, and Lisa Ray. And Lisa yeah, Lisa Ray played his girl. Or his yeah. wife. I ran back fast, broke my arm in the mix just to yeah. find out some bird bitch was tapping my shit. I there love you. that song. I love that yeah, song. Yeah. My favorite line of that whole record is the end when uh Rayquan says, "You think I'm the biggest bird in America? Catch me on TV. I'm coming back thorougher I love you <laughs> I'm a big time Ghostface and Raekwon fan. I love. It.
1: I love the way they twist language and they yes, make new words. Yes, and it's make just it they own the fact that yeah. Ghost
0: is like a an old soul. He takes a lot of old soul samples and stuff like that. And did the, my one of my favorite Ghost records is Holler when he took the whole record." And they're singing, many guys have come to you. And he's rhyming at the same time. Yeah. And then he jumps on the chorus. I, ah, man, I go all day with Ghost of Ray. It's yeah. incredible. So when did you decide, okay, enough of this video stuff? What made you do that?
1: Well, around 2006, 2007, for me, I was losing... Um, I I just wasn't feeling the, set, the music in the same way. And I don't think they were... You know, so... Um, I went back to my other passion, which is you know, you know, documentaries, and you know, and so the first film we made was with a, a, a friend of mine, uh, Sebastian Younger, and Tim Hetherington, Tim who unfortunately passed after making the film. He was uh, killed in Libya, mm. and we made a film called Restrepo, which was a, a film about a deployment of soldiers in the Korengal Valley in Afghanistan, the one hundred and seventy third Airborne, and so basically Tim and Sebastian spent. On and off for 15 months in the Corongal Valley, filming a portrait of what it's like to be a soldier at the sharp end of the of American foreign policy. Mm. And so, you know, and and so that, you know, was very well received. We ended up getting nominated for an Oscar, and, and you know, and so I was back in the uh, in the documentary business after that.
0: Wow, and and a lot of times those guys out there do they really really know what they're fighting for?
1: you know there's not discussions of politics and the reason they're fighting because that doesn't help you survive the day so um in the end they what we were interested in in really is like how young men bond together in order to you know you know to fight like because they were under constant pressure from the taliban every day they're being shot at. Right. And um, so we were really interested in those bonds. But, like, are they talking about politics? No, they're not. They're not. No. They're, they're, they're just they're, trying uh, to get to the next day. Yeah, get to the next day.
0: And they become connected with other soldiers that surround them. They become family. Absolutely. In a unit. And losing a family member has to be, oh, my God.
1: Um, In, in fact, there's there's two little stories out of that. Um, they don't always get on... Well, right, like, mm-hmm. and there was one black soldier there called Sterling, and but he put it very nicely. It's like, listen, we um, we don't always like each other, but we love each other.
0: Mm. Sound like family. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Sound and, like family. My uh, mother
0: always said, "You can pick your friends, but you can't pick your family." Yeah, you don't always like each other. It's like my my kids. I don't always like them, but <laughs> I love them exactly all the time. I love them all the time. Let's talk about this uh, mixtape documentary that you have. Tell everybody the name of the mixtape documentary.
1: Oh, So uh, so mixtape is a, a film about how mixtape culture and mixtape spread hip-hop around the world, and we walk it all the way back to Pause Tapes and Bruce E.B. You go all the way
0: that far back. All the way back. Yeah, because I did see a clip of it. You talked to Q-Tip.
1: We talked to Tip. We talked to everyone. Yeah, everyone and, we...
0: and uh, you didn't talk to me, but that's okay. But... <laughs> I was making pause tapes. That's how that's how you recorded the songs that you wanted. That's how you recorded stuff for your answering machine when you got a little older. That's how you had music without the radio station ID on it. Yeah, yeah. You, you made the mixtape. You, you pause, pause, pause. That was really early production for a lot of guys like you tipping out.
1: KRS1 explains that you take bump, 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 rewind. Do it again. Bump, 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 right. bump, bump. Lay down sixteen bars, and then you can go.
0: That's right. And then, and that's what you wrote to. Yeah. That's what you listened to because, you know, the early mixtapes that that we make making the pause mixtapes were really a lot of records, breakbeats, right? The breakbeat records yeah. where you find Welcome to the Mardi Gras, yeah. Bob James, and you just wanted that ding, 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 When it went to the boom, you was out. So yeah. you stop, put the record back on, hit it again. And that's how people were making their own production back in the days. Yep. Yeah, so you were talking to everybody from Q-Tip, Clue.
1: Yep, Clue, Clue's way up in there. Flex and Clue were like, you know, Flex was explaining how Clue, you know, and Noriega explains how Clue was the first DJ from Queens that really like yeah. broke out of Queens. And we talk about the exclusives and how Clue brought in exclusives and how Clue was and like, how people got Clue, exclusives. Yo, know, Peace to dude, K-Slay.
0: Or Murdoch Avenue. Clue. I'm on Murdoch and two knives. Clue was right
1: across. Clue, 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 clue. Clue, Minardi, clue. Minardi,
0: Minardi clue was right up uh, on, on the other side of Springfield Boulevard, about two blocks up. And that's the first time I heard about Clue, as because he was known for getting the exclusive. Yeah. Yeah. So he we really talked
1: about it. all the, the, the sort of, you know, because, you know, Kit Capri put it very nicely. Hip hop was about, you know, a little outlaw, you know, catch me if you can. Right. Right. And, there was some. There was some dirty business that went on with Absolutely. the exclusives, King like Capri,
0: you talked to Ron G. Ron G. Ron G. Absolutely. Do du- what Ron G. Tony du- Touch. I was Tony on. on uh, du- uh, I was on one of his uh, one of his tapes uh, rhyming. I think it was like fifty MCs or fifty five MCs or something like that that we did back in the day. Fifty what? MCs was
1: Tony's uh, mixtape. Tony Touch. Yeah, yeah. And then I did one. So we du- made ramen. the the Tony's the center because the. The film evolved and Def Jam got involved. Uh-huh. And so we decided to, Tony decided to use the music, the classic beats from Def Jam, Jackham, and then go with new artists on top. Oh, wow. So like you've got Rottweiler, you've got all sorts, Paul Revere, you've got right. all sorts of like crazy Def Jam beats in this new album. That's incredible. Like that are reinterpreted in a modern way.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. did. Uh, Capri tell you about how he used to sell all his tapes on all the cabs. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, and Fat Joe tells him how how he was outside the Apollo, and and Capri chased him down the road trying to give him a free mixtape.
0: <laughs> Those guys really, really revolutionized. Who do people point to as the very first person to do in that modern mixtape era? Who would they say is the godfather of that era? Uh,
1: I'd say like you got. Uh, there's a little bit before, but like you got G the Pro and Double R, okay. Because they, those guys were like doing incredible, like multi-layered uh, um, uh, mixtapes. And you got to, you know, not for nothing, you got to go and give a big shout out to Dr. Dre and his Rhodium mixtapes. Like, yeah, those are incredible pieces of DJing, like um, and DJing and production. So you could see at that point, if you go and get a Dre tape from Rodium, you will know. You will see and hear, well, you will hear, right? You will hear the, the elements that he built on for, for the Chronic. It's it's right there. It's and for right NW there, there. Everything Like, is- the DOC's the formula. Like, he, you heard that yeah. five years before.
0: Wow. All of that stuff is right there. So Dre pretty much on the West Coast? Would you yeah,
1: say? I'd say... Uh, there was a bunch of cats. Like, a big shout-out to Z Trip as well. Like, yes. Z Trip, like, as far as the mixtape going, is a legend um we interviewed him like uh big oh dj am another shout out another yeah, shout out to am um but who changed it in new york uh, it's like i think it's tony touch it's kid capri ron g do what clue yeah uh, it's you know it,
0: clue was that next he's a little next because he was brought in the exclusive era. but yeah you know do, would you say that clue inspired cats like drama
1: oh totally absolutely I think uh, you know, and and drama's in the film because we tell the whole story of what yeah, happened down there. Jeezy's in the film, Wayne's in the film, right? Um, you know, um, and it you know, it just it just you just see these levels of How building long? and building and inspiration that people took from each other, and and inspiration rather than you know people weren't biting each other's s- stuff like they right. do, you know, yeah, you know like it was people evolved and improved and 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 and. Uh, well,
0: Wayne was
1: Wayne before G Unit, little Wayne before G Unit, was it? Yeah,
0: with mixtapes,
1: with mixtapes. I think so, yeah, because he's got these on the gangster grills. Gangster and, grill stuff. Let so right. me think as well. Because I did a video for Juvenile, I did I did Cash Money's Get Your Roll on, so he was there. And I'm wondering if Cash Money is just before G Unit, yeah, definitely was before, yeah, G-Unit. yeah. Because Wayne was very hot boys, right? Remember that, yeah, like,
0: yeah, those guys were kind of very instrumental in the way they did things. How about DJ Screw?
1: Yeah, DJ Screw's in there. Bumpy wow. tells the whole story how he united Houston with one of his mixtapes. Yes. Like he was the north side and the south side, you could hear it everywhere and it was the first time it ever happened.
0: Yeah, man. Screw was very instrumental to slow down mixtapes that he did nobody was doing that guy. No one of stuff. was doing it. Nobody was doing that. And then you had cats that were doing the blends. You just get straight-blend mixtapes. That's yeah. all that you got. And then you had Grandmaster Vic coming out of Queens, out of Southside, that was doing mixtapes way back in the days. Like before Clue, Grandmaster Vic and him was doing mixtapes. Yeah. There's a lot of cats that were doing mixtapes. But what everybody did was try to be different than everybody else. Yeah. Right. New York was flooded with mixtapes. Yeah. West Coast was flooded with mixtapes. The South was flooded with mixtapes. How, how long does an undertaking... Like that take to get all of these people to sit down to do this documentary?
1: Oh years. it's hip hop. Like <laughs> <laughs> yo, listen to say, Wayne is a star in the film. He gave us the most, you know, incredible interview. He was like mm. candid and funny and and real. But that motherfucker was thirty hours late.
0: Thirty hours late. <laughs> he was
1: thirty hours late.
0: How can you be thirty hours? Uh, that's a day. It's more than a day. More <laughs> <laughs> than a day. That's yo, I don't day. know how he's
1: thirty hours. Like he's like he's like we we shot it at his little skate joint there and uh, like he just turned up thirty hours late. And but he killed it. Like right. we're happy. We're super yo know, we thank him and hours. appreciate him and but like
0: Damn.
1: you just gotta be patient. Like we were
0: there.
1: Right. And we waited out. Omar waited, like because we knew we needed him and and he's important and 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 we just like to say thank you, like for yeah, big for the up time. Wayne, but for damn, real. will be
0: 30 hours late next time. And mixtape Wheezy, for real. Yeah. <laughs> he did. He, You know what? Wayne is so super important to the hip hop culture. I say that Wayne is the godfather of everything that we're seeing right now. Absolutely. Everything from, you know, I mean, Yo, thug thug one. even says that like uh,
1: thug young know, thug from yeah absolutely. he says absolutely that's the godfather
0: yeah that's the godfather of all of that we're seeing now because those kids weren't around when the lost boys was running around with the dreadlocks and all they weren't around then no. but when wayne came and he started doing it they all patterned everything after wayne the facial tattoos the super tattoos everything we're going to take a break and we'll be back with more of mr nick Quested right here on the ad love come on i'm about to say the Head love experience that's my radio show (laughs) the podcast come on we live and breathe real whether you're searching for the latest sneaker that iconic handbag a timeless watch or your next piece of classic jewelry, eBay authenticators are there verifying every detail of your purchase. Yep, we're talking each inch, stitch, tick, facet, and clasp that makes the piece you're searching for worthy of your collection. eBay's authenticators are experts in their craft, true connoisseurs, and as leaders in their fields, they're making sure your items always arrive as authentic as your style. So go ahead. Get that piece you've always wanted and leave it up to the meticulous eyes of an eBay authenticator to make sure that watch movement is original, that glimmer is real gold, that rare sneaker is legit, or that handbag is really made of genuine leather and never get faked over again. In a world full of fakes, it's time to get real with eBay's authenticity guarantee. Everyone deserves real. Visit eBay.com for terms. Come on, side son. son. Back with more. Come on, son. The podcast, Mr. Nick Queston is here. You got to check out the mixtape documentary. When does it drop?
1: It dropped today.
0: Today? Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Congratulations.
1: Live and direct on Paramount Plus.
0: Paramount Plus. I got Paramount Plus, so I know I'm going to check it out. Stream it constantly. And the reason why I asked you, Nick, about the amount of time that it takes to make a documentary is because a lot of people think that they could just make a documentary. Like, we've been working on the real story of your tv raps for about 5 years now and we're still just it's just it's so hard it's so, yeah you got
1: sometimes you find the story when you're making it sometimes you start with a story sometimes you start with a story you find a different story as you're making it and you have to pivot like right it's 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 a beautiful thing because you can because the scale of production is the the volume's lower, so you can pivot where you find things interesting right. as well.
0: Yeah, because you don't have that big super production and you know millions of dollars like you did on the phone tap. You know, nah, that, that's not necessary. We
1: spent that in seven days. Like,
0: jeez, Louise, I can never imagine that. But you're doing something else too. I saw something else that you're working on your next one already. Or do you do two at the same time?
1: Oh uh, yeah, we do we you know, we have a couple rolling at the same time okay, normally. Okay. Because you you know, you just don't know when people are available and uh, right. you know and it, it takes a while for things to, you know, clarify in your mind sometimes. Uh-huh. Like sometimes you might be just like sitting on you know sitting in the you know, driving the car and someone oh, I know how to do that now.
0: So, <laughs> so how many do you have going right now? So the mixtape out. We've got the mixtape out,
1: out. I've been working on um so I kind of got caught up a little bit um, uh, towards the end of 2020 because I, um, during the pandemic, remember what the summer was like. You had the, the murder of George Floyd and you had the protest. You had like this pressure on the food supply. You know, you started seeing these meatpacking factories and you started seeing truck drivers not wanting to drive anywhere. And I was like, I was started to look at America in the way that I'd been looking at, conflicts around the world as a foreign correspondent. So I was looking at Americans saying, why are Americans so divided in the face of this pandemic when Americans have so much in common? And we could have, as Americans, we could have used this moment to Bomb. to unify. Where we Like
0: after 9-11. Exactly. Remember how we bonded in, in America after 9-11? Every yeah. car that drove down the block, you saw the American flag on yeah. it. We were one United States of America. And now we're like, whoop.
1: So, um, so I started making a film about why America is so divided, and so I was sort of telling this in extreme because I was, you know, I went and spent some time with some um, pro-black uh, two-a groups, and and then I also was looking at the other side. Uh, so I spent some time with Oath Keepers, Three Percenters, and Proud Boys. Mm. So I was the journalist that was embedded with the Proud Boys after the elections and all the way through to the uh, Steps of the Capitol, and I filmed the Proud Boys uh, during the insurrection on the Steps of the Capitol, which led to me to be the first witness in the congressional hearings, mm. and, and my footage being the basis of the congressional, first congressional hearing.
0: I like to think of myself as an open-minded person. What is the Proud Boys agenda?
1: The proud boys don't really have an. I don't
0: really an think ag- they'll let me ask that question. But they I'm don't really, really
1: from, as far as I'm concerned, they don't really have an agenda. They have grievances, and they have grievances of things that have been taken away from them. Like they think that um, that life is too difficult for them, and that um, the, life is difficult. Life is difficult for everyone. Yes. Now, however you slice it, right, and they feel that that their section of society has been unfairly uh, targeted and vilified, so they don't, they've weaponized this grievance, you know, of, uh, and and the only thing that really links them together was their admiration and respect for the former president, President Trump.
0: Mm. Based on what?
1: Well, I don't think they quite feel the same way now, see you kind of like, <laughs> He just got indicted again for well, the third time. Well, third right? time, and it's, yeah. I think there's four coming, so like, uh, wow. <laughs> So and the fourth they, one will be a state charge. So let's, mm. yeah.
0: So they bond together on their admiration for, for Trump and their
1: Trump. grievance about how America is, you know, becoming progressive. And I think they really epitomize this sort of struggle of what America really is. Is America a multicultural society that's designed to be a meritocracy? And, you know, obviously it's not perfect, but as a political experiment, it's trying to be better all the time. Or is America a white Christian nation for white Christians, and I don't mean Christians in the white action, Christian males. White Christian males, and I don't mean Christian in the sense of people who go to church on Sundays. I mean mm. culturally Christian.
0: What in the world is culturally Christian? I mean
1: they, they, they're in the. So a culturally Christian person was someone who adopts many of those attitudes, but doesn't actually embody the uh, uh, the. Yeah, tenants you, of Christianity. If, if, oh, if, snap, you have to turn that off, sorry. If,
0: if you look, oh, what is that? Oh, it, that happens. Somebody sorry. Playing Take It to the House, that's your phone? Yes, my phone. <laughs> <father. laughs> you did that video. I did that video. That's, that's okay. And I got a shout out <laughs> <and trick. laughs> That was a great moment in this interview. Take It to the House just played on Nick's phone and he directed the video. And we, we were talking about the Proud Boys, and and you being around them, actually filming them on the steps of the insurrection that happened January 6th. I call it a riot. People like to call it insurrection. I believe if we did it as black people, they'd have said, they rioting again. But Because it was white people, it's an insurrection. Okay, cool, that's America. But being around them, and we were just talking about how they are Christianly cultural, but don't practice Christianity or go to church. Because if they did, they would understand that Jesus loves everybody. Yeah, Jesus died for everybody, not just the white male in America. Is that their problem? That they feel like the white male is being put to the back burner while everybody else is being pushed forward?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: That's their whole problem.
1: I mean, it's one—it's their primary problem.
0: Wow. So in their minds, the Proud Boys' minds, white males in America are just supposed to run everything take care of everything, have all the money and all the power, and whatever they decide to trickle down to the minorities, we're just supposed to accept it and say, thank you, Moussa.
1: Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, they say that the system's been working so well for so long, why don't we just keep it the way it was?
0: Have you ever asked them, you know, President, former President Trump's mantra was make America great again. Have you ever asked them when was America great in their eyes?
1: No, no, they can't answer that question.
0: No, I've... (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> I've seen many an interview with white correspondents at MAGA rallies asking people, you got a MAGA hat on? Yeah, what does that mean? Make America great again. When was America great? And then they will come with an answer, and then he'll go, well, so you mean to tell me that's when blacks didn't have any rights? That's when women couldn't vote? That's when this, all this stuff going on? No, no, that's not what I'm saying. So I don't think sometimes they know what they're saying. Yeah. I, would love the I, I would love to interview one of them. I would love to.
1: I think that I think America's always been great and it's always been the point about America is it's always trying to be better. Right. right? So it you know it you know black people did not have any rights when the constitution was enshrined. They you have Dred Scott, you have all these things, but it's been a gradual process. It is not perfect, but it, is it is the idea of America to become better? Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's you know that's the and concept. And it's supposed to be for everybody. It, I, I, the way i read the constitution
0: <laughs> yeah i thought so yeah i think it's supposed to be for everybody what did your time with the proud boys show you about america i th-
1: i i think that my time with the proud boys showed that america is a very divided country and no matter what the reality is uh for american general people will you know you can look at the way people react to the Trump indictment, there's people that don't believe that he did anything wrong ever, and I'm like, I don't understand how you can have yeah. that point of view. Like, mm-hmm. um, I think, I think that you should never underestimate the racism that's present throughout the throughout America.
0: I agree, 100 on on all levels. If racism, you can't underestimate the sexism no. that goes on in America. If, if people tend to be afraid of things that are unknown to them. Yeah, You know what I mean? And it's still going on. And, and people better.
1: act defensively as well like yes. and feel that if if you say America has a problem with racism, they, they, white people say, well, they feel defensive about it. But, you know, you can't be responsible for the actions of your ancestors, but you can be responsible for being a better person right now.
0: And moving forward. Yeah. Absolutely. Mixtape is out now.
1: Mixtape is out now. When does that What's that?
0: The one we were talking
1: about. Oh, that's well. We're still working on that. Okay. Like okay. The, You know, as every day we learn new things. We just learned a whole bunch of stuff yesterday. As they dropped, uh, they they dropped another um, indictment indictment on the president. Yeah, and I can't wait to
0: see what the world, how America reacts to that. I still think it's a strong chance the man can actually get elected. I really think so.
1: Um, yeah, I I don't
0: disagree. <laughs> and what else? What's next? What else?
1: Um, we're working Atlanta on a little top secret project. Okay. Um, you know, it's... Is that
0: the top secret project I was kind of privy of seeing a little bit of?
1: Yeah, exactly. Okay, we won't
0: talk about that, but that's going to be a good one. Oh, I mean, I mean, God.
1: and it's been, I've just been, just to say, I mean, I go back to New York and I talk about some of the issues that Atlanta has. And I think Atlanta is a fascinating place because, Atlanta and Georgia, because not only is it, um, it's the a microcosm of america generally where it's a a blue island in a sea of red it's a it ha, atlanta has a black mayor it yes. has a black sheriff it has a black da but the ag is white the the governor is white right. and so the power structure that exists in the state is white but you have two black senators right. uh, or you have two progressive senators sorry yes um and so i think that um and then when i talk to people about what's going on in Atlanta, people have no idea what's going on in the streets of Atlanta because there is really an issue with gangs in in Atlanta. Absolutely. And it's not a joke and it's not, um, and it should not be underestimated. More people died from gang related violence in 2015 in Atlanta than Americans died in Afghanistan or Iraq combined. So where is the war really happening? Right here. Yeah.
0: Right here. Can't wait to see it, sir. I'm not going to tell y'all the name of it because I know, but he's going to come back when it drops. I will come back. We're going to talk about it. Nick Quest right here. Come on, son. The podcast, keep God first. Everything else will fall into place. I'll talk at you, with you, to you, and about you next week. This is Come On, Son, the podcast. Now get the fuck out of here with that bullshit. Come on, son, son. This episode of Come On, Son, the podcast is produced, engineered, and edited by Cam Quotes and Krista Hayes. Recorded out of Atlanta, Georgia, this is an official Loudspeakers Network podcast brought to you by Ed Lover. (laughs) failed.